This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, welcome everybody. Welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Uh, a few announcements we have to actually um, make. First of all, tonight we are learning Lefwash Lema to Regina Bat Emma, also Lelunishma to Avram Ben Chaim Yehuda, and Lelunishma Yecheskel Ben Avraham. So, okay. Um, where should I start? Two, we have to make a few announcements beforehand. First of all, uh, there, there was a tremendous hashgacha patit that last, last week's class. So last week, I, we gave the class, and I don't know, whoever was joining with us live probably noticed that I started stretching over and plugging things in and moving things around. So the majority of the class, I realized, so the, the system that I have set up is I have the Zoom, which is over here. Then I have behind the Zoom is the Torani Time camera. Um, and with the Torani Time camera, there is an audio system to make the audio, and that's what the little, little microphone over here is is for. And about 75% into last week's class, I'm looking at the camera, and I notice the wire is dangling. And I'm like, oh, no. The whole time, I had the wire left out the entire the, the entire time. So I was like, oh no. So I went and I plugged it in. I said, you know what? Okay, this is what Hashem wants. What can we do? I missed it. If we got the audio, we got it. If we didn't get it, we didn't get it. What can we do? So I go, I plug in my camera into the computer and I look at the audio. And just to give you a little background on, on the situation of the audio, the week prior to that, I lent my camera to somebody to, to record a class on Torah anytime. And they must have played around with the system. And the when I plugged in the audio, the audio was you you couldn't hear it. It it, it was there was some like crazy crazy buzzing sound that you couldn't hear me. And I was just thinking, I'm like the whole time I forgot to plug it in. And look how Hashem worked that Hashem made me forget. I never forget how to do it. And Hashem made me that I should forget to plug in the audio. And then when I plugged it in, that's when the audio went down. So if anybody listens to previous class, the audio is off because we had the camera audio, not the regular special microphone. These microphones are more expensive than the actual camera. And the the audio was off because someone played around with the system. And because of that, the audio that was on the camera was better than the audio that was on the actual audio system. So look how Shem worked it out that 75% of the class we were able to capture at least with some audio. But then at the end of it, when I realized that that's when the audio went, went down. So it's really, really unbelievable the way the hashkacha patit, the way that Hakadosh Baruch Hu works. Um, that being said, there was there was a few pieces, uh, parts in last week's class that we had to cut out because it just wasn't you couldn't hear it. Uh, so whoever joined us live is you know uh, you know was able to hear the full class, which just brings me to the next point that if anybody wants to join live, we have it every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Standard Time at, um, at, uh, on Zoom. And if anybody wants any information, this is for women only. And if anyone wants any information, they can email me at uh, rabbizitron at toraanytime.com. Uh, so that's, uh, last, that's, that's uh, uh, number one, the announcement number one. Announcement number two is last week we gave a class about, uh, and we spoke about, we asked to give a poll. At how many people... Uh, can can uh, you know respond on learning Imuna? Did it change your life for the benefit, or did it make it worse, or did it stay exactly the same? So Baruch Hashem, and it happens to me, it's really unbelievable because it took me a long time to upload the class just because of the audio system. We had to do a lot of editing, but once we finished it, we had the class up for maybe a day and a half. And Baruch Hashem, we got a tremendous amount of response. So I thank everybody who did respond. 
And the response is exactly what I thought it would be. The question again was, was if you're living your life of Imuna, does your life become better, stayed the same, or gotten worse? And I haven't gotten yet one, one. And for that one person, I'm asking you to email me because I want to, I want to, this is the research. I want to know why it doesn't work. And so far, we have found a hundred percent, you know, uh, success rate that when you go and you learn and you, and you implement Imuna and a Bitachon in your day to day life, your life will be 100% better, 100% better. And this went to, from, I got responses from like all over, from like, yeah, my life is is better. Not just like my mindset, my whole life is better. My relationships are better. That was an interesting one. The relationships actually changed. The financial situations actually, the, the response that I got was really unbelievable because you think about it, when you ask somebody, how is your mindset? And Munah and Bitachon is like a mindset. How is your mindset change? And you think, okay, fine. You know, you'll say my mindset, I was happier. That's a good one. That's an easy one. I was happier. But to say the fact that my financial situation changed when I learned more and I implemented more and Munah Bitachon in my life really is something that is unbelievable. It's true. It's proven that it's true. The Torah tells us, but it's so beautiful when you hear it firsthand from people that actually deal with this. So really learning about Munah, learning about Bitachon, is really, really fundamental to our day-to-day lives and our success in our day-to-day lives. So, the reason why I'm bringing this up now is that we've been going, what are we up to, like 30 classes already on Emunah B'dachon or somewhere around that. It's, you know, it's really something that should and needs to continue forever. And the truth is that now we're titling the classes Emunah, but every class that I give, I try to implement two aspects. Number one is Emunah regardless of whatever the topic is. Number two is Musa. To try to give everybody to go and leave the class saying, what am I going to do different? What am I going to do better? How am I going to change myself to make myself a better person? That is the goal of every single class. Sometimes I am more successful of it, and that's thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Sometimes I'm not successful in it. That's also thanks to HaKadosh Baruch but it's also my fault. But in any case, the goal of my classes, those are the two, my two focuses. In it. So now that we're dealing with Emunah, and we actually just gave quite a few classes on Hishtadlut. Hishtadlut means effort. How much effort we need to have. The topic that comes after that, we concluded the, the, the aspect of how much effort we need to do, and that is the, the, the topic of regret. Meaning that now that I did my Hishtadlut, I did my effort. I did what I need to do for my effort and my part in it. Now the thing or whatever the thing was occurred. Either we succeeded or we didn't succeed. But let's say we put in our effort and we didn't succeed. What happens to the majority of human beings? We start regretting our decisions. You know what? Maybe if I would have married somebody else, it wouldn't have been like this. Maybe if I would have gotten to a different business, then I wouldn't have been you know, this financially dependent on X, Y, and Z. Maybe if I would have gone to a different school. Maybe if I would have gone to a different profession. Maybe, I've, maybe, 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 maybe last forever. We go and we regret our decisions after we did the Arhish Lut. And that's the topic for tonight on what do we deal and how do we deal with that regret. You have people on the flip side that don't regret. They don't regret anything. I mean, they could steal millions of dollars. They could break into people's homes. They could rob them at gunpoint. They can murder people for crying out loud, and they have no regrets. Those people are generally referred to as sociopaths. So if you're a type of person that doesn't regret, seek a psychiatric counsel, please. I am begging of you. So majority of people do regret. And not only that, there are people that regret on a on a wide, there's a wide spectrum of how people deal with it. Some people regret certain things. Some people regret everything. They regret their future problems. They're like, whatever I'm going to decide to do, I am going to regret it. 
there's, I'm not going to be happy with it. The, the, the destructive aspect of regret is not only in the past, it's also in the future. And these are people that, let's say, we'll call it fear about the future. That they fear every possible outcome. What's going to be with my... Sometimes it, the fear is, is warranted and it should be. But other times it's, it, you're just causing yourself heartache for no reason. You go, they're, they're afraid to send their children outside the house. They're afraid to go and get into business. They're afraid to go and get married. You know how many people are afraid to get married because of all the marriage issues that, that exist nowadays? You know how many people are afraid to have children because they think it's going to be so expensive? You know how many people are afraid to start in business because of the, of the, of the fear of the loss? Fear grips every single one of us. And, and the aspect of regret is not only in the present, it's also in the future. So this class is, is of crucial and, and of utmost importance. You have people also that are, you know, like these hypochondriacs where they fear every single disease. Every single disease, even diseases that the science and the doctors didn't come up with, they're already one step ahead of it. They already have a, a, you know, a disease that the doctors don't know about it. And it's true the doctors don't know, but it's very funny. Nowadays, it comes even more. The doctors know nothing. Everybody says the doctors know, don't know anything. Yet, if you have a problem, who do you go to? You go to a doctor. Oh, so the doctor knows. So it's convenient when you decide that you want it. Regarding corona, they don't know anything. Regarding uh, vaccines, they don't know anything. But regarding my X, Y, and Z medical history... Okay, fine. So then, let's see. Let's hear what you what you have to say. We have this type of uh, um, what is it called? Like situational type of uh, understanding and hearing. We're like, we'll listen to what you say about this, but we're not going to listen to what you say about this. Now, I don't want to get a topic about vaccines. I don't want to get a topic about current events, even though I am considering about doing a class about that, just because of the sheer amount of volume of nonsense that is out there. But I generally don't like to do these types of classes, but. Uh, I feel like I'm getting slowly, slowly back into a corner. So we'll see what happens in the future. But that, that is not the aspect of today's class. Today we're trying to figure out that how are we to deal with the problems that we bring upon ourselves, that the worries that we bring ourselves, that the regret that we bring upon ourselves. What is the correct Jewish approach to these matters? When someone goes, imagine someone goes and has a friend, and the friend comes over and says, hey, listen, I want to open up a business. Do you want to become my partner? We're going to open up this business, and we're going to have these clients, and he has his whole business plan laid out. And you're looking at your friend, and you're looking at all the business deals, and you're like, you know what? I don't think this is going to make money. This is not going to do, uh, you know, it's not going to be successful. It's too much work. I'm not interested. And you decide that instead of getting into the business with your friend, you're going to go into college. And you went to college and you graduate. A few years go by. Meanwhile, your friend is making millions and millions of dollars. You have your college degree and you're paying millions and millions of dollars. And you're sitting over there and be like, if only I would have went and I've been listened to my friend. If only I would have went to business with them, I would have had my life set already in front of me. How many times do you have people that they go and they try to sell their home? And they put it on the market, let's say, for $2 million, right? We're talking about Brooklyn, right? So they have a garage, and they're putting it on sale for $2 million, or Queens, or whatever it is, right? And they're saying, okay, this is going to... And they got an offer for $1.7 million. And they were like, you know what, $1.7, please. I could do a lot more. And four, five, six years go by, and the house is not sold. Now the market is going slowly, slowly down. All of a sudden, they'll be like, you know what, now my house is worth, my garage is only worth... You know, 1.5. If I would have sold it, I could have sold it for 1.7. I could have sold it for so much more. 
and they start regretting it. Oh, maybe I could have done that. How many people have gone to medical treatments and they unfortunately fell into an unsuccessful route and they think if only I would have chosen a different route, if only I would have went to that doctor, if only I would have taken this antibiotic, if only I would have taken this medication and this treatment, then I would have been healed. Then I would have gotten, you know, my success. If only I would have married this person, then I would have been happy. We live in a life of if, when, only, I wish. This is the, the words that come out of our mouths, unfortunately. The Gemara in Bachot, page 32b, says that Everything is in the hands of heaven except the fear of heaven. Meaning that we have the free will the right to decide between right and wrong in anything in our life, but between between doing mitzvot and averot, that's what it's referring to, between doing positive commandments and avoiding to do negative commandments. This is where our free will really lies. But all our actual decisions and our physicality, that all at the end of the day comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, comes from God. Now I want to put a disclaimer before we actually get started. That was an introduction. Before we get started, I have to put a disclaimer. The majority of this shiur will be speaking about regretting physical actions and outcomes, but not about the spiritual actions. That we're going to deal with at the end. So don't think, because there's a very big misconception that really, you know, is, is, is so wrong and it's written in books. We're going to deal with that at the end. But what we're dealing with in the majority class, we're speaking about physical actions and regretting those actions. I want to share with you a story that Rabbi Lezer Parkoff goes and brings down in his, uh, in his book. And the story is, is, uh, is set over by Rabbi Moshe Wolfson. And that was that once after Kiddush Levana, after blessing of the new moon, the Olika Rabbi, who was a Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov, went to his students, and he was a Kabbalist, and he says, I want to share with you what I just saw in Shemayim, what I just saw in the heavens. And he goes on to explain that in the Shema, a soul has to come down to this world to do all the 613 mitzvot. And if they do not complete the 613 mitzvot, they have to keep on coming back down again. And the problem is, is that most people don't reach the, the, to do the 613 mitzvot. So they come back down, they don't get the 613 mitzvot, they go back up, then God sends them back down. Then they don't do it again, and they go back up, and they go back down. They go back up, and they go back down. They go back up, and they go back down. And the... The Nishamot, the souls were like, we're starting to do a protest. What's wrong? With, what's going on with this cycle? What does God want from us? So they went and they make a demonstration in front of them. They came to the Malach Duma. And they said, you know, angel, tell us, what do you want us to do already? What does the Creator want from us? What does God want from us? We go up, we come down. We go up, we come down. We come down, we go up. There's no purpose to it. So the Malach, the angel says, I can't answer you. I got to send you to my superior. They go to the angel's superior and the angel's superior says, I'm sorry, I can't answer you. They keep on, they go to the one who's in charge of all the angels, the angel in charge of all the angels. And the angel said, I'm sorry, you got to speak to Rabbanosh Olam, you got to speak to the creator of the world. We don't have the answer for that. So they go and they meet with the creator of the world. They meet with none other than the Rabbanosh Olam, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the creator of the world. And they go and they tell God, God, what do you want from us? We have to complete this. We don't complete this. We come back down. We go this, through this vicious cycle. So Hashem tells them, God tells them, I'll tell you what. You go down again to this world. And if you're going to go do sins, we'll arrange something. We'll deal with something. As long as it wasn't done rebelliously. But one thing, says HaKadosh Baruch I want you to have. And that is emunah. 
I want you to believe. I want you to believe that everything that happens is from God. And there's a condition to this. The condition to this emunah, the condition to this belief is that you should never say words would have, should have, could have. These are words that should not be in your dictionary. Rav Moshe Wilson goes on and explains so let's say you have a person that comes home from Shachrit. He after he finishes praying, he comes home and he has a very, very important business meeting in the morning. And it's a business meeting and he can make a ton of money. And he comes home after Shachrit figuring that he can eat quickly and then run out to the business meeting. But as he comes home, he sees that the breakfast is not ready. So his wife is rushing over there working with the kids. All of a sudden she starts rushing, cooking and breakfast, makes him a quick breakfast. He gobbles it up and he rushes out the door. But what happens? The business deal falls through, falls through. This person goes over to his wife. If only you would have made me breakfast on time. I would have been able to close that deal. I would have came on time. I would have had my, my mindset in the right place. And we would have made a lot of money. That, says Rav Moshe Wilson, is imperfect demuna. A successful venture in business does not depend on your talking ability. does not te- depend on your selling ability. does not depend on your product. It depends on one thing and one thing only. And that is what God wants. If God wants that this business deal should close, you could speak a different language and not knowing what the other person speaks at and it will close. And if Hashem doesn't want it to close, you could be selling it to your parents and it's not going to sell. It doesn't matter because it matters on one thing and one thing only and that is God. The Baal Shem Tov goes on and explains that if there's a blade of straw, think about a leaf, that falls off from a wagon, that in itself is from Hashem. And exactly where it will fall is also from Hashem. Where it will end up, how it will end up, everything is Hashkachapatis, everything is divine providence, everything is Min HaShemayim. So much so that which kernels of wheat are going to end up in your loaf of bread and who is going to make a blessing and how is the blessing going to be on that loaf of everything is orchestrated from up above. If a person is supposed to be successful, God will make sure that they're successful. And the way and the reason that a person was born to a certain family, to a certain financial situation, to a certain everything, that's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu created you in a way that this is your test in life. And everything that happens is because Hashem orchestrated that to happen. Real people that have a munah will never ever say would have, should have, or could have. You have to erase those words from your dictionary. Says the Holy Rebbe from, he says the Rabbana Shalom that the God goes and tells these souls, he says, go back down to this world. You will make some mistake because you're human. And we'll deal with that. But one thing, one thing that you have to do is have emunah. Have emunah. Have emunah bidachon that everything that happens is orchestrated from up above. And we'll soon see to what extent this actually lies. There was a family that was sitting Shiva. And unfortunately, how it happens very often in, in Shiva houses is people speak about, so what happened? How did the person pass away? What bus hit him? No, I'm just kidding. Like, what happened to that person? How did it go down? Why is that person no longer with us? And people start talking. Be like, you know what? We called the ambulance. But you know what? The ambulance took five minutes to get there. Had they would have been here in three minutes, the person was alive. But you know why they were delayed? It was because of street construction. 
We're talking about New York City, and they're dealing with construction every single day. They're fixing potholes for the past seven weeks. This same hole, just fill up with sand and move on. But no, but they're going and they're working on it. Because of that, the ambulance had to be rerouted. They got stuck in traffic, and because of that, the person passed away. If only they would have come a few minutes earlier, this person would still be alive. And then you have people, you know, that go and they ask, oh, so did... Um, was there any warning signs? Did you see like the person having some some medical issues? And they were like, yeah, we, we thought there was an issue. We spoke to the doctor. The doctor said there was no issue. If only we would have spoke to a different doctor and told us it would have been an issue, then it would have been something else. The regret that comes out, the if-onlys that come out of Shiva houses are abundant. They just never stop. If only we would have called the doctor. If only we would have called the, the, the ambulance a little bit earlier. Maybe, maybe we would have been able to prevent the death of this family member. By the way, this is so true in the, corona, in the coronavirus age. How many people say, oh, if only we didn't send them to the hospital. Because in the hospital, they just kill them. Because that's what hospitals do. They kill people. Oh, if only we wouldn't have sent them to the hospital. If only we would have sent them to the hospital because they didn't, wasn't able to breathe there. They're always thinking of the other side. What would have happened if the other side? People always think of what would have happened the other way. What would have happened if I would have lived in a different country? What would have happened if I were been born to a different family? What would have happened if I would have been a multi-billionaire? What would have happened if I would have been a big tzaddik? What would, 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 would? Always on the other side, but never dealing with what you have right now. The rabbi came in as the people are going in the shiva house and they're figuring out how they could have prevented all this, this, uh, this tragedy. And when the rabbi comes and hears how the people are talking, be like, what are you talking about? He says, on Rosh Hashanah, it was decreed what will happen with this person. We go and we say, on Rosh Hashanah, we say, Nisan and Tukhub, we say, Mi yichya, who will live with me amus, who will die? Mi b'magifa, who in a plague? How apropos is it to these days? Miba Mayim, who who's going to die with fire? Miba Eish, who's going to die with fire, with water? Who's going to die with fire? Who will live? Who will die? Is decided already on Rosh Hashanah. What caused the person to pass away? It wasn't because the ambulance was delayed. It wasn't because the doctor gave the wrong diagnosis or the wrong medication. You know what caused this person to pass away? Hashem decreed that this person should pass away, and that's what caused the person to pass away. The flip side, we have to start figuring out, well, we could work this the other way around. But we're like, wait a minute. If anyways, Hashem decided everything from Hashanah, so why should we even call the ambulance? Why call the doctor? Why deal with anything? If a fire breaks out, let's just, you know, warm up against the fire. Why should we even go and do anything? And the answer is that we have an obligation. And that obligation is what we've been speaking about in the past few classes. And the obligation is that we have to do our efforts. We have to do our hishtadlut. We have to make every possible precaution. We have to do every possible step that we can. But once we have completed our efforts, once we have completed our hishtadlut, then when you begin assessing the damage of what happened, you have to realize that everything was from Hashem. If God forbid there was a fire, there wasn't a splinter of wood that was burnt if Hashem did not say that this should be burned, it wasn't, you didn't lose a penny unless Hashem decided that it would be burned or it would be lost. We have to do our efforts. Yes, we are obligated. But after that, that's when we step back. That's when we step back and we say, Hashem, this is all in your hands. The, the principle is very difficult for people to comprehend because the principle is somewhat contradictory. At one hand, I have to do my 
effort. On the other hand, it's all in God's hands. So like, which is it? Is it do I have to do it or is it all in God's hands? And we tend to assume that if let's say somebody's wealthy, someone's successful, you would think, you know why they're successful? Because they're very smart. They're very diligent. They hear a business opportunity, they go and they rush and they go and they, and they capitalize on whatever it is that they can. You know why someone's poor? Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they hear about a business opportunity and they say, you know what, I'm not interested in it. Says the Chafetz Chaim. He rejects this line of reasoning at all. And he says that diligence and laziness is not the reason a person is wealthy or poor. You want to know why somebody's wealthy? You want to know why somebody's poor? You want to know why somebody's married? Why somebody's single? Why somebody has kids? Why somebody does not have kids? Why somebody is healthy? Why somebody is not healthy? There's one reason. And that reason is, is that Hashem decided that this person should be wealthy and this person should be poor. And Hashem decided that this person should be married and this person should be single for X amount of time. Now, people tend to confuse that, you know why this person doesn't have money? Because he's lazy or she's lazy and that's why she's not married and that's why he's not successful. That's nothing to do with that. Yes, I have to put it in this very important clause. We have to work on our laziness. It's not an excuse to be like, you know what? God wants me to be this way. Hashem wants me to be lazy. This is, I'm not, listen, who am I to change what God wants? You know, God wants me to sit and binge watch for my entire life. That's what God wants me to do. That's what, how God created me. Like, no, no, no. You have to work on yourself. You have to do your effort. And if you're lazy, you have to work on that. Laziness is not a good trait. You have to be someone that is able to accomplish things. You have to be someone that can get out of bed in the morning and do things. And if you're not, don't blame this on God. You have to do your ishtadlut. But after, after you do your ishtadlut, after you do your effort, this is where it's all in Hashem's hand. This is all in God's, in God's hand. Everything that we do and everything that we have is all in Hashem's hand. But at the same point in time, we have to do our efforts. And this is what confuses people. And this is what's something that people cannot comprehend. And rightfully so, because it's a very, very conflicting conflicting aspect. It's like two sides of a coin that you always have to think about at the same time. And really, that's what we have to do. We have to do our efforts knowing and thinking that our efforts don't mean anything. So it's like, why are we doing it? Because we have to. Why do we have to? Because God said that we have to. This is the tax on human beings. God says that because of the sweat of the brow, you're, you're going to have to work in this world. That's what you have to do. And not only that, when you work, that could be a mitzvah. Says the Taz in Yardah that there is a mitzvah to go and care for your health. You go to the doctor, that's a mitzvah. It's a positive commandment. You're going and you're undergoing treatment. You're taking medicine. That is a mitzvah. You're taking a vaccine. Yeah, I went there. You're taking a vaccine. That's a mitzvah. You're listening to what the Torah says. You're listening to what the Gedolei Adol says. You're going and you're working. That's also a mitzvah. You have to support your family. There's so many things that we can do that is a mitzvah. But after we do our efforts, after we do our hishtadlut, after that it's no longer in our hands. Now this is where regret becomes a big problem. That we do our effort. We do what we feel we need to do. And then we say, maybe, 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 if, when, should, could, have. All these words that should not be in our vocabulary. And I'll tell you to the extent of how far this goes. That even, that God, it says this fast on us, that the God is even involved in our thought process. That many times, we go through our day-to-day decision-making, and we make a certain decision. And at that time, we're comfortable with the decision. But then, whatever we decide to do does not work out. It fails. 
And then only afterwards we realized that it would have been so much better to have done this decision, to do a different choice that we should have made, and then we for sure would have been successful. Says this Fasemis that the fact that you didn't even think about the other option, that's also from Hashem. Hashem is involved even in our thought process. And if there was a better option that you didn't even think about, that too, Hashem didn't put that in your mind. That took it out. There was a young couple who were married for many years without children. They went to doctors. They did prayers. They went all over the world to the Kibbutz. They came to the graves of the righteous and they prayed and they cried their eyes out to God. They went to the righteous people and they went and they gave you know all these bachot. They went to the doctors and they tried treatments. They did everything that they could and to no avail. No children. 10 years go by. 15 years go by. All of a sudden they hear about this renowned Sadiq who's known for his blessings coming into the town, to the local area. And I said, you know what? The wife goes and says, why not get a blessing from this uh, tzaddik? It's been 15 years. After 15 years, people usually, you know, the hope goes down. But I said, you know what? Let's try. Let's try from this tzaddik. So they go and they travel to this tzaddik. And this tzaddik gives them a bacha saying, by the end of the year, you're going to have a child. They say, amen, with a tremendous amount of, of emunah and bidachon. And you know what? A miraculous thing happened. They had a child that year. And the wife, after she had the child, she was thinking, she says, you know what? We knew about this tzaddik. We knew about him 15 years ago. If only, if only we would have went and visited him 15 years ago, our little child right now could have siblings. We could have had a a 14-year-old. We could have had a 12-year-old. We could have had a whole family by now. If only we would have known about it beforehand. Look at the power of his blessings. Look at the power that he had. If only we went to him earlier, we would have had a family by this point in time. And the husband, which was a righteous man, says, no, my dear wife, you're mistaken. He says, you want to know why the Baha worked from this tzaddik? He says, yes, he's a righteous man. But the blessing worked because God decided that now is the time that we should have children. And if we should have had children 15 years ago, then Hashem would have sent us to the Sadiq 15 years ago. But because He didn't put that thought into our mind, that was not meant for us to have the children yet. It's not the blessing of the Sadiq. It's not your smart business venture. It's not the person that you marry, the children that you have. It's one thing and one thing only, and that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who has given you everything and has not given you anything. The same aspects. Of, and when we think about that concept, we will never have any regrets. And this applies to all areas in life, except for one, spiritual, which we'll talk about later. Rufishel Shachter brings down a story. There was a rabbi that needed a kidney transplant. And this rabbi heard that there was an available kidney. This rabbi lived in New York. There was an available kidney in San Francisco. So immediately, without thinking twice, he booked the first flight out from New York to San Francisco. While he was on the runway, the wife gets a phone call that there is a kidney in New York right where they are. A perfect match for, for her husband. And she's like, my husband's on the way to, you know, to San Francisco. She tries calling the airline back. This is before there was cell phones. She couldn't get a hold of her husband. And the husband goes, leaves New York, lands in San Francisco. He goes and he goes straight to the, to the hospital, tests out to see if it will be a good match with the kidney, with the, with the, from, from the kidney from San Francisco. And it was not a good match. He calls up his wife and he says, I'm sorry to tell you, my dear, my dear, you know, but it wasn't a match. And the wife is like, you're still in San Francisco. Come home right away. There is a kidney over here waiting for you. There is a perfect match kidney. And the husband says, what? Okay, fine. He hugs up the phone. He rushes right back to New York. 
He flies back to New York. By the time he gets to New York, any times he gets to the hospital, they said, we're sorry, the kidney was given to somebody else. So the husband and wife are sitting over there. The wife starts crying. The husband says, no, what are you talking about? This is the greatest thing that ever happened. This kidney in New York would have been the worst thing for me possible. Hashem saved me by causing me to fly to San Francisco so I shouldn't get this kidney. So the wife, in a question, looked. she's like, what do you mean? It's like, how do you know that this kidney in New York was not good for you? How do you know? What, what makes you think that? And the husband says, it's very simple. Because God made it that I wouldn't be here. If it would have been good for me, then I would have been here. And I would have gotten it. And I would have had it. But because I wasn't here... That means it wasn't meant for me. And if it wasn't meant for me, that means that it was the best option possible. Later, in a short while later, they found a, you know, a, you know, a kidney that was a perfect match and they had a successful transplant. But during the interim, look at the difference of the mindset. Look at the difference of how a person thinks. But let's take this one step further. And that is, what about if a person is negligent? What about if a person caused problems upon themselves? Now, yes, we gave a class a whole about negligence, and please refer back to that for that topic. But I want to share with you something that the, that the base of Ram's of Slanim goes and brings down. That even something that a person brings about with his own hands, meaning that they cause their own problems, that's also decreed from up above. That's a crazy statement. So let me repeat that one more time. That's a statement that will cause not many people, Everybody. Menuchat nefesh Calmness of the soul. And that is that even if something that you ended up causing some problem, that still is also decreed from up above. Now, again, I'm not speaking about negligence. We gave a class about that before. Go visit that if you want to speak about that. Everything that I spoke about before stands. But there's a very important aspect that everything is from Hashem. Everything is of Hashem. There was once a rabbi that had a, a daughter that suffered from asthma. And... Because she had a very, very severe case of asthma. And asthma, for whoever's not familiar, is a respiratory uh, you know, illness that, that's a, that at times when there's an attack causes a hard time to breathe. So you need certain medication to go and to be able to, uh, to if, if you're having some sort of an attack, to be able to breathe. So there are certain things that will cause the airways to open up. Because what happens with asthma is the airways. You have you think about it, you have a you have an airway, right? You have a your pipe of your of the ear that's going in from your mouth into your lungs, and in certain times it could it could slow it could you know like sort of uh, constrict, get smaller, and because of that you'll have a hard time breathing and you'll start wheezing. So there's certain medication that expands it, and other options is also to put in oxygen so that in that small area, a lot of oxygen will go in, so you'll be able to breathe, and you'll be able to live, because it's a very, very serious thing if you have a serious condition of it. So this particular daughter had a, uh, you know, a, a, a condition of, of uh, a disease of asthma, and that because of that, the family always had oxygen inhalers and oxygen machines around the house, just always, just in case, a case of an attack. One day, this, you know, the daughter had a serious attack, and they started searching the entire house, all the usual places. Maybe they have an inhaler over here. Maybe they have medication over here. Maybe they have an oxygen machine over here. And wherever they searched, they couldn't find anything. And the girl is having a hard time breathing and she's turning blue. And all of a sudden, they figure they can't do anything. They call 911. And Atzala rushes, rushes you know, to, to the scene. And by the time they came, unfortunately, she breathed her last breath. 
And as the family was getting ready for the Leviah, for the funeral, someone was going around the house and they found three nebulizers, three, inhale, three, three medications that they needed for this daughter right under the daughter's bed. And the family was devastated. They could not be comforted. It'd be like, if only we would have checked under there. Our daughter would have, could have been alive. If only we would have had luck, but because of the emotion, because of the commotion we were running around, we didn't check in the simple place possible. At the Shiva house, Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky came and, and visited the family. And he, and, and he reminded the rabbi that a person has an obligation to do the effort. A person is obligated to do the hishtadlut for the future. And if, let's say, you're going on a shiduch, you have to go and you have to look into it. If you're making an investment, you have to go and you have to look into it. If you're going to some sort of medical procedure, look into it. But after something happened, after the event transpired, you should never feel remorse for the past. Never question, why did I do this? Why did I do that? If Hashem wanted you to find the nebulizer under the bed, He would have found it. He would have showed it to you. But for whatever reason, you didn't find it. It was meant to be. This is the way that it was meant to be. When, um, you know, you have many people that get defrauded with money. They, lose, they, they invest in a certain person and the person scams them. And they think, if only I would have checked this person. And people go and they have some medical condition and they go to this doctor and be like, you know what, this doctor was a nobody. Maybe I should have paid a little more out of money and I would have went to a different doctor and then my family would have, member would have been alive. Then maybe I would have been healed. Expressing anxiety over what happened in the past, the rabbi tells us, you know how severe that it is? That is called kfirah. That is called heresy. We do not express anxiety or regret over the past of our physical actions. This is the way that Hashem decided that it should go out. God leads us in the direction that we're supposed to be taking. Yes, we're obligated to make precautions. Yes, we're obligated to do our efforts. But once it's happened, all of that's where we have to step back and this is in God's hands. And we have to go and we have to accept it with faith. When I was about... This is a story that happened to me when I was between 14 and 16 years old. I don't remember exactly how old I was. And I decided that I wanted to buy a digital camera. This is when digital camera all, all started becoming a thing. You know, it wasn't like nowadays that every phone, you don't need it. Well, you look at somebody who has a digital camera and be like, why do you, why do you even need that? Like a phone has everything. But this is like, you're talking about quite some time, some time ago. You're talking about like almost 20 years ago that uh, the digital cameras became a, a popular, um, a popular thing. This is almost the time that the, um, the iPods, iPods, I'm sorry, came out where you, you know, not, no color screen even, just the, the circle wheel. So I decided I wanted to get a digital camera. So I was searching online for a digital camera. I wanted to buy a digital camera. And I found that particular camera. I was looking at it. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was on eBay. And all of a sudden, I get an email from somebody from China. Um, to be exact, it's from Shenzhen, China. And the, they email me, they're like, I see you're looking at cameras. Even to this day, I don't know how they noticed that, how they knew that. But they say, I see you're looking, maybe I bit, I don't know how. They say, I see you're looking at cameras. Um, you know, I live in China. We work in a factory. We get things very cheap. I could provide you with a certain, you know, quality camera at a discounted price. So as a good Jew, I'm like, I'm listening, discounted price, you've got me. What is it that uh, we're talking about up here? And he started, you know, giving me like, you know, the top of the line camera. 
It was a Canon at that time. It was a top-of-the-line camera. He gave it to me for like 400 and something dollars. And I was like, wow, that's a crazy deal. And it would be so many accessories. And it would come up with SD cards and extra camera. And it came up with like everything. I was like, this is unbelievable. And I, everything where I looked, this, there was no deal compared to this. So I was a young teenager. I was like, you know what? Fine, let's do the deal. What do I have to do? So the guy goes and tells me, and he says, if you go and send, you know, the, send the money at this address, then I'll send you the, you know, regular transaction. Send the money and I'll send the, um, I'll send the product. And this, he goes and he says, uh, if you go and if you over at this, he said, you have to send me a check. This is one, not through PayPal. This was, uh, this was not through eBay. This is like through a private transaction. Says you have to send me a check. But then he goes and he says, if you send me a check on expedited mail, then I'll give you even a strong, a bigger discount. And I was like, unbelievable. That's unbelievable. So I get all the information and I get ready for it. And I start filling out all the information. After I finish all the information, I go to the post office and I was like, you know, of course, let me do the expedited. I wrote a check. And I paid, I think, for the post. This must have been like 30-something dollars to send the check to Shenzhen, China. And I was so excited. And then I was thinking about, like, wait a minute. I never told this guy what my address is. Like, how does he know where to send my thing? So I emailed him, and I was like, do you need to know where my address is? And he didn't respond. And I was thinking, you know, like, you know what? In order for me to get the discount, I have to have the money there by a certain time. I have to be expedited. I'm like, I can't waste any time. So I took a piece of paper. And I wrote down my address on a piece of paper. I put the check in together in, you know, in the, you know, in this FedEx. And then I shipped it expedited to Shenzhen, China. And never thought once in my mind that maybe this guy's scamming me. Maybe this guy has no, uh, you know, interest in sending me to, you know, any, any camera. So I send him, I send him the check. I believe it's a him. Who knows? Um, maybe it was a little boy that sold Nike. I don't know. So anyways, I send him a check. I send him my address and I'm waiting over there. And a week goes by, two weeks go by, a year goes by. I'm still waiting actually to this day. Never did I receive the, you know, this, this camera. And to this day, you know, I like, even that my family still makes fun of me that I'm supporting a family in Shenzhen, China. That, you know, I gave, and I was thinking afterwards, I'm like, why, you know, I wasn't the dumb kid. You know, I was, I was, I was a kid, but still I was like, why didn't it even come into my mind that he never once asked me for my address? Maybe the deal was too good to be true. Why didn't I once stop for a second and think, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't continue with this transaction. Maybe I'm supporting the little Ching Wang Rong in China. Maybe it's something that I don't, shouldn't be doing. Maybe I should stop. And the answer is that for whatever reason, yes, as much as my family was making fun of me, that's what I needed to do. I needed to support a family in China. And now I have a family. In my own mind, I have a family that I supported in China for 400 and something dollars. And that's the way that I think till this day. The, the regret, of like, yes, maybe I should have done it. I was a teenager. I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have that, you know, like $400 was a lot of money for me. And afterwards, I remember like, okay, what can I do? At the end, it ended up being a funny story. What, what else can you... Maybe it was worth it just to come to this class. Maybe it will help some people in the future. Who knows? But whatever it was, it happened. So what are you going to be? Start going and be like, oh my gosh. If only I would have been a little bit smarter, I wouldn't have sent it. If only I would have done this, I would have done that. No, once something happens, you, the correct response is, is that okay? You know, 
whether I thought about it, whether I didn't think about it, whether I should have thought about it, whether I should have not thought about it, this is what happened. You're going to start living in the past. You're never going to be able to live in the present. And you're definitely never going to be able to live in the future. So whatever happens, even though it could have been our error, we have to realize this is from Minashamaya. Maybe sometimes we have to support people in different countries. Maybe sometimes a Nigerian prince needs our help. May, I'm just kidding. Maybe sometimes we have to go and we have to do fall into a little bit of a hole, and that's for the best for whatever reason. There was a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Lemberger, and he was a respected Dayan of Yerushalayim. He was very, very sick, and there was a certain rabbi that came to visit him. And the rabbi overheard the doctor speaking to Rabbi Lemberger and saying that the only aspect that you're, you have a severe infection in your foot and the only way that we're going to be able to save you is we're going to have to amputate the foot. And if we don't amputate your foot, you're going to be in real danger. And the rabbi, the Rabbi Lemberger over there was sitting on the hospital bed. He was pleading, he's like, please doc, is there any other options? Maybe you could do this, maybe we could do that. And they, they, the doctor says, no, I'm sorry, there's no other options. The rabbi, the doctor left. The rabbi saw that, that he had visitors and it was another rabbi. And the rabbi that was sick goes over to the rabbi to visit him and says, do me a favor. He says, they want to amputate, amputate my, my leg. Go, please, go speak to doctors. Do something. I don't want it. If I get, if I don't have my leg, I wouldn't be able to continue the work that I'm doing. Please, I'm begging you, do whatever you can. See if there's another option. The rabbi went out, spoke with this doctor. They spoke with that doctor. Whatever doctor they spoke to, the rabbi, the doctors told the rabbi, the, the only way to help the patient is only to go and amputate the, the foot. There's no other option. So the rabbi, the visiting rabbi, goes over to the sick rabbi and says, Listen, we tried. There's nothing else. This is the only solution for your survival is that it has to be amputated. As soon as the sick rabbi heard that, he said, Fine, I accept it. And his family was sitting over there. And, the fa- and he goes and he tells his family. And he says, We cried. We prayed. We did all the hishtadlut that we could. But now, this is clear that this is God's will. This is clear that this is what Hashem wants and we cannot, we're not allowed to second guess our decision. We're not allowed to even cry one bit more. This is what it needs to happen. Now let's take this different story, which is the same with a little bit of a twist. And this story happened to a, um, to a close student of, of Rabbi Israel of Stalin. And this student also had this you know, a, a particular inflammation in their leg. And the leg had to be amputated. And the doctor went and amputated this leg. Now, after this leg was amputated, the son of the, doc, of the, of the rabbi heard uh, the doctor speaking to another doctor that the truth is that they made a mistake. That really, had they would have done a different treatment, they would have been able to go and prevent the amputation of the leg. The son heard this. This is before the whole suing, uh, you know, situation happened. And when the son heard this, he was like, "Oh my gosh! If my father hears this, he'll be devastated." He says, "We cannot let my father know about this." And he kept this information from his father. But unfortunately, a short while later, the information accidentally leaked out to the to the father, and the father heard the operation was a mistake. And when the person says, says, you should know, I heard, I spoke to the doctor. The doctor said, you could have been saved. You could have had, first of all, the doctor, whatever, I'm not speaking about that. But the doctor went and he said it was a mistake. And the person went and told the patient the mistake, there was a mistake with the operation. You could have had your legs right now. So the patient goes 
didn't lose the composure, didn't get angry, didn't get upset, didn't get sad, didn't get emotional. And he goes and he repeats the words that he heard from his Rebbe. And he said, I would have, I should have, I could have, that's kfirah, that's heresy. And the patient went and said, if, if the leg was amputated, that means that it had to be amputated. It wasn't that the doctor was mistaken. And he made a mistake with the procedure. He really did the right choice. And he's mistaken for the fact that he thinks that he was mistaken. And what's the proof? The proof is, is that the, my, I don't have a like. That's the proof over here. Rabbi David Asher brings down a story. that There was once a woman who had second thoughts. I, I said the story before, but it's so powerful, so important. She was having second thoughts about the person that she married. She says, maybe, maybe I should have married somebody else. Maybe I should have gone out with other people and that's who, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. And because of those thoughts, this was causing, you know, obviously shell and bias issues. Maybe there's somebody else out there. So this woman went to and traveled to Israel and she met with a, uh, a certain uh, Rebetzin. And the Rebetzin told her a story. She says, one time there was a woman that traveled to a rabbi and the rabbi asked her, how many kids do you have? And she says, you know, she has two sons and a daughter, but the daughter was killed, you know, five years ago in a car accident. She would have been 10 years old now. And the rabbi very gently told her, says, please don't think like that. Your child would have never been 10 years old. She wasn't meant to be 10 years old. She wasn't meant to reach that age. She was supposed to live for five years. You want to know why and how I know that? Because she lived for five years. Don't think that if, when, and where, and how, she would have lived longer. No, she was meant to live for five years. Afterwards, when the mother was relating the story, she said these words had the greatest comfort to her. She was able to move forward. She was able to go past all the self-blame, all the second-guessing of what if. Because she realized that this is what should have been. Now, this is the story that this Rebetzin is telling the woman who thinks that she married the wrong, the wrong man. And the Rebetzin goes to this woman and says, you chose your husband for a good reason. Because you had your thought process back then. You want to know why? Because that's who you're supposed to marry. Now you're thinking, oh, what if, what if? That's not the correct way. Because how do I know that? Because God made you marry this person. And that who is the person that you're supposed to marry. A true believer, somebody who has true emunah and never second guesses themselves. They trust in God and they say all decisions is in Hashem's hands. Even unfortunate decisions. Even fatal decisions. There's a story that Rabbi Yitzhak Dweck says about himself, that he says, it was August 1st, 1993, the 14th of Av. He was planning to officiate a wedding when all of a sudden he got a call that there was an emergency at his brother's house. So he rushes to his brother's house and he finds out that his two and a half year old niece a girl by the name of Rachel Dweck was found unconscious in the pool. And the ambulance was there and they were trying to revive her and they put her in the stretcher and they brought her into the, into the ambulance and they started driving her to, to Manmont Medical Center. And he was you know, sitting over there so he, he, he obviously followed the ambulance and he went with his sister-in-law. He drove his sister-in-law, which is the mother of, of the child, to the hospital. And they noticed that every you know, certain amount of time the ambulance stopped and then it continued, and then it stopped, and then it continued. And later they found out that they tried to resuscitate the child. And they got a pulse, and they kept on going. And then the child died, so they stopped, they tried to get, they kept on doing CPR, CPR, stopping, going, stopping, going. When they finally arrived at the hospital, the parents were told that it was too late. 
little Rachel passed away. And the first words that came out of his sister-in-law, the mother's mouth, was, I accept this. Not only did, did she accept it then, but the entire Shiva process, the mother and the father, Terry and Joey, they spent the entire Shiva expressing the same sentiment, that this is from God. The family did not spend any time discussing how the accident occurred, how they could have been more careful. Had they could have gone something else, that it would have gone wrong. But again and again, they reiterated that this is all from Hashem. This is all from God, and this is how God wanted. We should never know from these types of issues. We should never know from these kinds of, of, of situations and disasters. But parents that go through these, these situations never forgive themselves for what they could have done to be more careful. So the message that I could give out to every single person who went through this, and it doesn't matter if it was a pool, it doesn't matter if the child ran across, it was a story that, that you know, I recently was in, kind of involved in, a little child that ran across the street, got hit by a car, in front of the entire family. In front of the entire family, they saw the child get hit by a car. The mother, the father, the entire siblings. And unfortunately, the child did not make it. You know how much parents kick themselves? If only we would have been on the other side of the street. If only we would have been outside. If only we would have gone and trained the child not to run. If only, if only, if only. Incorrect. That's not the correct thought process. As unfortunate and as severe as the situation may present itself, it's all min The child's time was, was up. Now again, we should never know from this. We should never have to deal with this situation. But the, for the unfortunate situation, for unfortunate causes that happen, just know one thing, that it wasn't your fault. Hashem decided that for whatever reason, it's time for this little pure soul to go up to heaven. While someone is still alive, while someone still has the ability to do something, to do something, yes, we have to do our effort. Yes, we have to do our obligations and anything that we could do for this person. Whether it's raising money, whether it's helping him with doctors, whether it's helping him with, with, with advice, with money, whatever it is that we could do, we have to do it. But after the fact, there's no point of hashing and rehashing, of regretting and figuring out what we could have done. It's done and that's the way that it should have been. There was a woman that went over, there was actually a husband that went over to Rabbi David Asher and asked that Rabbi David Asher gives Chizuk to his wife. Why? Because the wife and the husband were looking for a shidduch for the son. And they had a particular girl that was set up. And this girl would have been perfect. A great family, great everything. Perfect from every angle. But the mother was of the of the boy was very very particular and she started asking a lot of questions she wanted to be 100% sure and the other side took offense about like why are you asking so many questions why are you procrastinating on this you do you don't want it like forget it we're not interested in this either and they backed out and now the mother fell into some sort of like like depression so to speak she said, she felt that she ruined her son's shidduk she ruined it she says it could have married a perfect girl and because of her overzealousness, because of her overlooking, because of her meticulousness, she went and she lost the shidduch for the son. And she regretted having been so overly cautious. And she was bitter about this for months. But Baruch Hashem, months went by and the son ended up going out with dates and he ended up getting married to a different girl. And the girl that he ended up getting married to 
when he was dating, when he got the first shiduch, you know, which the mother was too overly cautious about, the girl that he was meant to, to marry was still in high school. It wasn't even an availability. So God orchestrated, yes, she is a great girl, the other girl, but it's not for your son. And I'm going to make it think, you know, you're going to go into a certain overactive, she's going to put some thoughts into your mind and go too crazy. And then because of that, the other family's going to be like, you know what, I'm not interesting. Even though it was a perfect match. You want to know why? Because it wasn't a perfect match. Because if it would have been a perfect match, they would have gotten married. And because it wasn't a perfect match, they didn't get married. And after that, they ended up marrying somebody that wasn't even Shiduchim at that time. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch orchestrated all these events. Chazal tell us that there is no joy like resolving doubts. When you resolve your sfekot, there's so much joy in, in the uncertainty. And when you get, get rid of the uncertainty, there's so much joy in that. If a person goes and starts second-guessing themselves, they're just causing heartaches to themselves. Now when it comes to mundane matters, when it comes to physical matters, Everything is under God's control. If you go and you buy a car, and the next day you hear of a better deal, or the next day you find out something, and I'll tell you something about a previous car that I bought. I bought a car. Now I don't have that car anymore. I bought a car from a dealership, and um, the dealership did it in a certain way. They were a little bit sketchy, and they did it in a certain way that they didn't tell me that the car was previously owned by a Uber driver, and that makes a big deal. They didn't tell me. They showed me a something like a Carfax, but a different Carfax. But they never told me uh, that it was owned by a, uh, a a taxi, and that lowers the value of the car. And I didn't know about it. I saw the I saw the information. I saw it looked good. I said, you know what? I, I bought the car. And after I bought the car, I found out that this was owned by a taxi. I was like, what? I'm like, I overpaid for this. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. Who knows how long this car is going to last me? And I was going through like my mindset, like, what's going on? But Baruch Hashem, I had the car for quite a few years. No, Baruch Hashem, no issues. Baruch Hashem, no thing. I was able to sell the car. It was absolutely no, no, no problems. No, no problems with it. But back then, I was thinking about like, oh no, what could well, I should have looked more into it? I should have done more. And like, no, Hashem said, this is the car that you're supposed to have, and this is the car that I had, even though it was owned by a taxi. And who knows if I would have bought a perfect other car, I could have had so much problems. Baruch Hashem, this car was owned by a taxi. It ended up having an accident before I bought it. I didn't even know about it. Also, no problem. You never know. You go through all these things and you think about, oh my, if only I knew. What do you mean if only you knew? If only you knew God said you this. If only you knew, you would have done, you would have done the wrong thing. This was meant for you. You buy a house, and after you buy the house, later you find out that there's a house down the block that's bigger, better, and cheaper. And be like, oh, if only we would have waited. Like, no, it's not meant for you. Oh, if only I would have married the previous person that I dated. If only I would have married the future person. No, that's not correct thought process. The person that you marry, the car that you bought, the house that you bought, the person that you didn't marry, that's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As long as... As we do our hishtadlut, as long as we do our efforts, we should not think twice about it afterwards. Where does this rely? This goes and focusing on what? On our physical things. But what about our mitzvot or averot? What about our sins? Can we say, you know why I sinned? Because God wanted me to sin. That's why I sinned. God wanted me to be a drug dealer. That's why I'm a drug dealer. God wants me to be all do all these types of averot. That's why I had it. That's incorrect. And unfortunately, some people have this aspect very mistaken. And they, even to the extent that it was written in books. This is incorrect. 
I have asked Poskim, I've asked Dolim about this question because I saw it written in books. I was like, maybe this is something, this is wrong. You should know that this is wrong, that if somebody goes and says, you know why I did a sin? Because God wanted me to do the sin. No, God did not want you to do the sin. That is the worst thing that you should think about. You made a mistake. When it comes to spiritual aspect, yes, you should regret. It's part of the tshuva process. There's a charata. There's a tshuva process that you have to regret. But if you think for a second that God made you sin, then why would you ever regret it? Whoever wrote books that says that Hashem wants me to sin, please re- go back to that. That's wrong. That should, that's wrong. Because if you think that what that God made me sin, then you'll never do tshuva. You have to have charata. You have to have regret on your sins. Sins is one aspect that you should regret on. That's one aspect that you do have to have charata on. He says, I shouldn't have done this. I should have been more careful. I should have put gdarim. I should have put fences that I shouldn't have fallen in this area. And if you fell, you have to figure out a way that you don't do it again. The one area that you should regret in is in spiritual aspects. That if you fell, if you did a sin, yes, regret about that. That was wrong. That was your fault. Now, how are you going to fix it? doesn't mean that you're going to be depressed and give up on life. No. That means that how are you going to go and how are you going to fix the situation that you are dealt with, that you put yourself into maybe, that you made your own mistake. Now what am I going to do? You know what you're going to do? You open up a, the, the Shari Tshuva. You open up the Rambam, the Elchot Tshuva. You open up and you say, how am I going to fix it? Because you want to know something so amazing. In the spiritual world, we could fix our past. We could change our sins. And here's where the difference lies. In the physical world, we can't change our past. You can't go back in time and change what business decision you made. You can't go back in time and change who you married. You married, that's who you're supposed to. You business, that's what you were supposed to. The sickness, you were supposed to. But the sin, you were not supposed to. You could change that. And if something you can change and you have... And you have the obligation to go back and change it. Do your chuba, Do your hishtadut. Figure out what you did and do the change that you need to do. Don't, don't say that God wants me to sin. That is incorrect. That is wrong. And it's going to prevent you from doing chuba. You said that God didn't want me to sin. But I have free will. And what can I do? I fell. I'm human. It happens. Okay, but now what? Now you're going to get up and now you're going to fix it. Because you could change the past in the spiritual world. The beauty of the spiritual world is that there's something called chuba, and you can change it. But you know, want to know how you change it? Only if you have charata. You have to have the regret of it. There's a flip side to this also, and I see that it's getting late, so we're going we're gonna to close it off very shortly. There is an aspect also of regretting good. That just like if you go and you regret the bad, you can erase the bad, if you do a mitzvah, you could also regret at the, the mitzvah and you could also erase the good. So meaning if let's say you did a mitzvah, you did something good, and then later you're going to be like, you know what? Why did I give this man so much money for charity? Why did I spend so many years learning to law? Maybe I could have worked. When you regret the good that you've done, when you regret, why was I so modest when I was younger? When you regret the good that you've done, you will lose the good that you have done. This is what the, 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 we say in, in Meir ben Ashkivenu. It says, God, the, the, the Satan, we ask God to remove the Satan from before us and from after us. So we know that we have to remove the Satan in the future, move the evil inclination from the future to make sure that we don't do any sins. But what is to remove the evil inclination in the past? 
How can we remove the inclination, the evil inclination of the past? And the answer is that if you do something good and you regret it, the Satan could go and make you regret it, and because of that, you lose your reward. Never regret the good that you've done. There's another positive aspect of regret that we have to discuss before we close it off, and that is that there are many times that people regret their past, but you want to know what they gain from that? They make that a change in the future. So they regret the past, you know, like maybe I wasted my time in the past. Maybe I should have learned more. Maybe I should have prayed more. Maybe I should have been more modest. And because of that, they change the future. That's a positive aspect of regret. Just like there's a positive aspect of regret of tshuva, there's another positive aspect of regretting that you will go and fix your future. And this all falls under the umbrella of tshuva. And if a person finds himself complaining all the time, you want to know how do you improve yourself? That's start off with one thing. Start accepting one aspect of your life with Emunah B'tachon and realize that there's nothing to regret about it. We're talking about the physical now. Remain calm, remain happy, and realize that whatever happens is from Hashem. To the extent that Hassam Sofer says that a single moment during which a person accepts God's will, and even when he should feel that he should be angry or resentful, but he accepts God's will, that moment is more powerful than a hundred prayers. And the Tanit Ve'aliyahu told, you know, when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu that if a person doesn't pray, a person doesn't learn Torah, a person doesn't learn good deeds, but if he does one thing, he will have his panasah, his livelihood doubled. And that is, if he will accept Hashem's will in all situations. And this brings me to the, to circle back to the, how we started off. That we said that, how does Emunah B'tachon help you? How does it change your life? And one person reached out to me and said, you want to know, it helped me financially. And we said, wow, unbelievable. How did it help financially? And you want to know why? Because the Tanit Ve'aliyahu said that if you go and you accept everything that Hashem's will, everything from, from all situations is for the best, your panasa will be doubled. It's not surprising because it says that in the Torah. May we utilize the opportunities that we have in our lives whether it's good, bad, or ugly, to realize that whatever has transpired in the physical world is transpired because God orchestrated that it should transpire. And we should accept it and move on. Yes, can we learn from our past? 100%. Can we grow? 100%. But don't live in the past. Don't dwell in the past. Chuva, spiritual, different topic altogether. Yes, regret it. Yes, do chuva. Yes, fix yourself. But from the physical aspect, move forward knowing that this is what God wanted. And with that, we'll open up to uh, questions. Okay, we have a question in over here. Oh, uh, can you do an in-person class every two weeks? So yes, Bezat Hashem, I know I've been pushing it off. I've been a little bit procrastinating, but Bezat Hashem, we will be starting back the in-person class. Hopefully once the, the world will turn a little bit more normal, will be even more frequent. But Bezat Hashem, in the coming weeks, there will be another blina, there will be another in-person class. Hopefully next week, but we'll see how it turns out. Okay. Um, Okay, great. We have a comment over here that after last week's class, this person started learning living in Munabra by David Asher and it changed the whole day. Amazing. This is a shout out and, and for everybody, buy the book by Rabbi David Asher, Living in Munah. It will change your life. I strongly recommend it. It's a lesson a day. Learn it, live by it, deal with it. Okay, next, next question. What about... Oh, here's a different question. What about all the mitzvot that only apply when we have a Bet HaMikdash? 
So uh, this is going back to the question that um, when we spoke about that a person is obligated to do all, all of the 613 commandments. So this question now is, what about the mitzvot that we have to do when we have a Bet HaMikdash? And now we can't do that. So there's a few answers for that. Answer number one is that by learning about the mitzvah, it's counted as if you did it. So if let's say there's a certain mitzvah that you can't do, by learning it, by, by, by going into the depths of it, that counts also as, as you did it. Another answer is that in the previous life, we could have been, you know, done those mitzvot in the Beit HaMikdash, and we're doing the mitzvot. Now we can only be responsible for the mitzvot that we have the ability to do. So we have an ability to do a mitzvah uh, that's not related to Beit HaMikdash, that's what we have to do. Oh, but what about the mitzvot that are related to Beit HaMikdash? That's out of our hands. Either we took care of it in a previous life, or B'zad Hashem will take care of it when Mashiach comes. Okay, next question. How does free choice go together with Hashem in a sense in as sense, manipulating our thoughts and preventing and causing us to think or not think certain things. So this is an excellent question. The question is that how do we deal with certain situations that if we say that even Hashem is in our thoughts, then how do we have our free will? How do we have the ability to decide to do good or bad if Hashem is in our thoughts? So, yes, this is where it becomes this sort of like conflicting you know, two concepts. Yes, we have the ability to decide and we have free will. But at the same point in time, God does control to a certain aspect of it. And what's the proof? Let's say somebody has a thought process that they want to murder somebody else. But that person's not supposed to die. So Hashem will orchestrate it. Oh, what my free will, I want to murder this person. Why can't I murder this person? Because God says you're not supposed to murder this person. So yes, there is a certain aspect of free will. And there's 100% free will. But at the same point in time, that it has to be checked off by God if you are allowed to do this or you're not allowed to do this. And there's a lot to talk about this concept. And if you want to learn more about this, I would recommend you to go and, and look back. I had a class, two classes that I gave about free will in the Divinity series that I speak about this in depth. So I would uh, recommend to look and review that. Okay. Uh, where are we over here? Okay. Uh, but can you make a mistake? There is free will. You can exempt yourself from making mistakes. And the answer is you're right. You could make mistakes. In life... You could make mistakes, you could make errors, you could be negligent, and sometimes you're held responsible for the negligence that you have done. And that is something that you will have to deal with after 120. But when you're looking back at the physical mistakes that you've made, the only thing that you could do from that is learn from it. More than that, you cannot live by it, you cannot rehash it, you cannot go back by it, because if it happened, that means that God wanted it to happen. Okay, there is, that story about you worrying after buying a car reminds me of a quote by Mark Twain. I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. That's a great quote. Um, most of the things that we worry about actually don't happen. Okay, next question. I don't mean to put our holy brothers and sisters down, and I'm not saying that I'm better than them. I'm thinking in regards to the aspect of Kol Yisrael Arif Ibzalazet. It seems... Like in this generation, so many from Jews have the if-only mindset and think that success comes from themselves and the like. And so many people seem to disregard the halachos of Shmir Salashan. Is it our obligation only to work on perfecting ourselves? And what about us being included in Hashem's punishment when it, when, when it does come to Shalom? Okay, so I don't understand this question fully. But yes, many people do think of the, of the aspect that it's all in my mindset, it's all in my life, and everything is my, in my hands. My power, my will made me my fortune. But the truth is, is that everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
and we have to go and we have to work on upon ourselves. A lot of people like to try to work on other people, but the best thing is to start working on yourself. How do you differentiate when do you question the situation and when do you accept results saying it's from Hashem? When do we say it's from Hashem? When it's in the past. When do we say that we have the ability to do something when it's in the future? So we have our Ishtalut to do in the future. Things that happened in the past, the person that you married, the business that you went into, the children that you have, everything that happened in the past, that's from Hashem. Yes, it may have been our fault, and yes, we may have to deal with this in the next world, but right now we have to think about the future and what is it that we have to do. And if Hashem let this happen, this is from Hashem. Okay. Okay, next, where are we up to over here? How much ishtadut do you have to do to help someone else ruchnius? Do you have to go chasing them for every little thing they do? What about parents? How much do you do involved in changing the ruchnius for the better? So this is a question on how much we have to worry about other people and how much we have to do. And it's a great question, but the every scenario is by itself. So it all depends on many, many circumstances. So I can't answer that as a blanket uh, answer because it depends on how much you did, on what the personality is of them. What is it that you could do? What is it that you can do? Are they interested in listening? Are they not interested in listening? So there's many factors that depend on it. So that's something that uh, we would have to discuss on a uh, private session, not just because it depends on, on particulars. Do you have to say out loud that you regret something or do you have to just think it and you lose the reward? So a fleeting, this is the question on how we get um, judged on our thoughts. Um, a fleeting thought we're not held responsible for. When you have a fleeting thought that's like, oh man, I wish I would have done that. But when you dwell on it and you think about it and you say, you know what? I shouldn't have done this. That's regret. You don't have to say it out loud, but once you think about it and you say, you know what? I shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. And you are confident. It's not like a fleeting thought. That's where, that's where you're dealing with, uh, with regret. Okay. I see we have a lot of questions. We're trying to go through them quickly. But it's getting late. Okay, why does someone get blamed for something so badly sometimes, like King Menashe? For me, I have had no problem, but I can see why a specific personality doesn't have a problem with Amuna, but other personalities do, and they get blamed and inevitably get punished. I, okay, so I'm not following fully the question of why some people get blamed more for others. Um, and <laughs> in the physical world, you could just say some people have that face. You know, the face that you just blame everybody for it. Like, yeah, you have a blaming face. Uh, but the truth is, no, there's a reason, there's a rhyme or reason why people get blamed for it. But the truth is, I don't fully understand the question. Uh, but the bottom line is that if someone got blamed for something, even if they didn't do it, they did do it, it's, it is also from Hashem. Can you repeat what you said about your Parnassah doubling um, it? Well, I just lost it. If you accept Hashem's will. Yes, so this is from the Tanad Ve'aliyahu that says that Hashem told Moshe that if a person doesn't pray, doesn't learn Torah, and does not perform good deeds, but he will have his panasat doubled if he accepts God's will in all situations. And he believes that Hashem is always doing the best thing for him. Or her, for that matter. Okay. Um, Okay, where are we over here? Okay, I listened to Rabbi Duvi. I'm assuming Rabbi Duvi Ben Chushan and Muna series as well. I would recommend it to everyone. It's on Torah anytime under Rabbi Duvi Ben Chushan. Bitachon 1 to 10. Okay, so here is uh, another thing I strongly recommend. Rabbi Duvi Ben Chushan is an amazing speaker. So uh, if he has an Amuna series, a Bitachon series, please go listen to it on Torah anytime. I guess it, I think it looks like it's titled Bitachon 1 through 10. Okay. 
Where are we over here? I feel like I'm going to admit I'm skipping some things over here. I work on my Amuna daily. It made me a happier, more relaxed person. And I, yes, my relationships are even stronger. Amazing. I live and breathe about my love to Hashem and talk about Hashem a lot. But I get feedback sometimes. People get nervous or uncomfortable because I talk a lot about Hashem. What am I supposed to do? I live and breathe about Hashem and He is was and always is here and He never abandoned me. Never ever apologize for being too close to Hashem. Never ever apologize or regret the fact that you speak to others too much about a God. Don't if somebody's going to be like, well, you're talking too much about God. Don't worry about that. In your situation, continue doing whatever you're doing. No, let me rephrase that. Double of whatever you're doing. Don't worry about whatever people say. Don't worry whatever people are going to think about where you continue what you you're, you're doing because that's amazing. Final question: If a person did complete tshuva for a past sins and Yom Kippur passed. Should you continue to bring up those same sins during Vido or subsequent Yom Kippur's, or are they erased and you shouldn't remind Hashem about them anymore? So first and foremost, you don't need to remind God anything because God remembers everything. But the question really is, do you have to do tshuva for previous sins? So sometimes it is beneficial to do tshuva for previous sins of previous years that you already passed Yom Kippur because it, it reiterates it. It makes it better. Um, if you're able to. Some people have this different OCD about it and I recommend to stop you know, and, and that. But in general, yes, it's good. If you did a certain sin and you want to reiterate it every year, yes. You, if you continue it, that, that's, that's, that's also uh, very, very good. You could reiterate it. But again, it depends on the person, depends on the situation. I would recommend to go to speak to a local Orthodox rabbi about the particular scenario and if you should continue it or you should not. Okay, and that is the final question. I thank you all for joining. I thank you all for participating in the live uh, event. And Bezat Hashem, until next week, may you all have a successful, amazing week. Tremendous Bacha, Panasad, and everything that, Hashem, that you want, Hashem should grant you for the best. All right. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.